Guys, this is Succession. This is HBO. If you don't want to hear me talking about Logan Roy, talking about then don't listen to this. There are bad language words in this show. Hello, and welcome to the Mr. Darcy How Could You episode of Slate Money Succession. I am Felix Hammond of Axios. I'm here with Emily Peck of Fundrise. Hello. And we are joined on this here Lackey Slack by Lizzie O'Leary. Welcome. Hello. Lizzie, uh, what are you up to these days? Plug your podcast. I host a podcast for Slate, so it's very hard for you to track me down <laughs> called What Next TBD. Um, but I also watch Succession fervently. Fervently. You've been on this show before. It was amazing. So we had to have you back for the grand finale. We have so much to talk about. Tom obviously, and Connor and Kendall and Logan and Lucas. And oh, wow, what a finale. It is all going to get unpacked right now on Slate Money Succession. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Dahlia Lithwick, host of Slate's legal podcast, Amicus. If you're listening to this show, you might be interested in Amicus's live show that we're hosting in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday, May the 14th. My colleague, Mark Joseph Stern, and I will be talking to some amazing guests, including Sherilyn Eiffel and a sitting state Supreme Court justice all about how originalism, a relatively recently invented way of interpreting the Constitution, has taken over the Supreme Court and radically reshaped the law. It's been doctrinal rocket fuel for the conservative legal movement and facilitated the rolling back of abortion rights, the expansion of gun rights, and the obliteration of the separation of church and state. And as another wildly consequential Supreme Court term careers to its end, the court's originalists are on a tear. But there's something you can do about it. And we hope you'll join us in D.C. on May 14th to explore the possible pathways out of the current situation. Go to slate.com slash amicus live for tickets. Okay, let's jump right in here, Lizzie. What do you think? Oh my God, Tom! Tom! <laughs> Tom! Wamsgan! Mr. Darcy, how could you? I mean, but also, what do you mean? but Thank also, God good, good job, Tom. Take his revenge. Tom I came was ready through with with the knife in the back for his own wife. Who is a monster? I mean, she told him. I mean, she took him to town. Is that a phrase people use in the last episode? Dressed him down. Told him she didn't love him. Maybe she'd have his baby. Maybe not. She frees I mean, the baby. Not Who exactly knows? Exactly yeah. setting him up. Who knows? She's not exactly creating a bond of trust between her and her husband. I was. I felt excited. You're not supposed to root for anyone in succession. That's the rule of succession. But I was. Is that the rule? Like, Go Tom. Like 
Can you root for Willa? Oh, oh, Willa. fuck it, fuck it, fuck it. Why not? How Just bad fuck could it. it be? That's, how bad? How bad could it be? I mean, talking about like we had that great like face acting from um, Kieran Culkin in the previous episode when he realizes that he sent a dick pic to his own dad. This one where she's like, "Fuck it, I'll get married," and she like kisses him, and then she gets in the car and she looks out the car like, "Oh my god!" Like my entire life is now miserable for the rest. You know, that's like some real last frame of the graduate stuff. (laughs) Did you catch her weeping at the wedding? (laughs) <laughs> a lot like, of weeping wine good kind more of crying wine. <laughs> yeah yeah people get drunk at weddings like the the drunk countess was great you mean well you Greg's know greg is pre- right yeah preparing for his duck duchy ducky how do you say it duchy duchy felix felix duchy yes yeah the grand duchy of luxembourg or Liechtenstein. i can never remember one or the other 12 times removed or some shit <laughs> yeah <laughs> Some place where you can hide your money. I think I've mentioned this on the pod before, but Greg has a character arc in the in the way that like a lot of the rest of them don't. He's actually significantly far removed at this point from how we met him at the beginning of season one. You know, and his his clothes are fitting better. He's more comfortable in his own skin. He's got not one but two girlfriends. He's been sufficiently corrupted that he doesn't need a soul. He's been sufficiently corrupted that he doesn't need a soul. He's like, souls, boo. I mean, is that, a, is that a character arc or just like a, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, well, the, if, if the arc goes down humanity. into the right, yeah. Mm-hmm. What am I going to do with a soul anyway, he says. Well, Fair point. It's true. Souls souls rarely, I, rarely benefit you. I tried to make a list of great, like, zinger lines. This was an episode that had fewer zinger lines and more just like devastating actions and and like beautiful you know goya compositional framing moments and my my list of lines i think said hans christian anderfuck and that was it (laughs) there were a couple but a lot of them were delivered very quietly in a way that um, you don't necessarily notice. Like, like the very beginning when um, when Shiv talks about the bigot spigot, that was yeah. good. Bigot spigot was good. Can we talk about the beautiful symmetry of, I think it was the first or second episode where Kendall tries to get Shiv and Roman to rally to his side to take down their father, and it's, it's a fail. And to this episode where it, it actually works and they come together and and because I just read a book about psychology, so I'm in this frame, but because he was able to get real with them and feel his feelings in front of them, even though they're extremely uncomfortable with feelings, that's enough to show them his humanity so that they can all come together as siblings in this beautiful moment that is, of course, thwarted and you know it's doomed from the start. But it was so wonderful to see that all happen. Like, even though it's succession and it's funny and it's a dark comedy about terrible people, to see them in touch with their their love bond and their humanity was kind of nice. Also, like, it's important that the only person who could do that, the only person who could bring three of them together is Shiv. Oh, I was going to say is Kendall. Well, Kendall, Kendall was kind of dragged along as a piece yeah, of broken meat. Yeah, but there's like a meat. moment, but there's a moment where it flips. And he's like, 
he remembers the divorce agreement. He's the one who knows. Right, right, but like, that, he's in the he's break. in the car at that point. Yeah, like no, that's Shiv true. is that's the true. one who gets them into the car. Um, we should have known it was doomed because it was Shiv's idea. <laughs> like everything she touches turns to shit. All of them, though, all of everything, all of them touch. Yeah, right. right but know. I mean, that's that's the that's the whole Wamsgans play, right? Is that like you know Logan never gets fucked and Kendall always gets fucked. So if he knows that Kendall is you know in a fucking minivan on the way to confront his dad, he knows that Logan's going to win this, and he he knows that his strategic move here is to align himself with Logan. Do you think there was a moment? I need to go back and, and watch again or maybe do like eight rewatchings. Was there a moment when Tom Tom flipped? And was it in this episode or was it in the last? Like, I sort of wonder if it was that wedding toast where she's like, he knows she hates her mom and she says like, you know, to have the, the kind of marriage that we have, if that, if that was the thing where Tom was like, okay, bye-bye. In the toast to her mom, Shiv says, I hope your marriage is as rich and as happy and as rewarding and as fulfilling as mine. And I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) It's because their marriages are very similar, right? In that the mom's marrying this guy she has no respect for, obviously, and trash talks behind his back. And that's what Shiv did as well. She married a guy that she doesn't really have any respect for. But he tried. All right. Can I can I give you the Tom theory here? My Tom theory is that there are two flips involved here. The first flip is when he flips decisively into Logan, like surrogate son mode, right? When Logan's calling him son, when he's like, I will go to jail for you. And Siobhan takes this as a kind of smart tactical move for the Shiv Tom marriage. But on some level, this is Tom just aligning himself with Logan and saying like, you're the guy who never gets fucked. I want to make sure that I'm as close to you as I possibly can be. And why the fuck did I marry into this family anyway? It wasn't for Shiv who doesn't love me. It was for Logan who doesn't love me. And, um, and so like you have that Tom Logan connection already. And then um, and then the second flip, which I think is the one you're asking about, is when did he flip against Shiv? And here's, here's my kind of, I, I don't know if this is my like attempt at a season four spoiler or something, but like, I'm not convinced that what he did was true flip against Shiv or whether what he did was a sort of tactical hedging of the bets in that Logan was always going to win. Logan was always going to do this deal. Logan was always going to find a way to do a deal with Caroline before or after the kids confronted him about the supermajority clause. And if Logan was always going to win, or even if there was a very high probability that Logan was going to win, it was always good to have one of them perceived to be on team logan rather than all of them being perceived to be you know team kill dad and so in fact what tom did can be seen as a way of like saving 
the Shiv Tom relationship with Logan rather than like knifing his wife in the back. Yeah. There is no way that Logan didn't know all about the supermajority clause and all of his teams of advisors weren't all over that all along. And this is and this is the reason why, by the way, you know, Kerry was lying to Roman why all of the kids were being cut out of the deal, why no one was even telling them that Carl and Frank were in town. The whole point was everyone was well aware that the kids had every ability to scupper the deal, so they needed to be kept out of the loop as long as possible. Logan just wanted to make sure they didn't get to Caroline before he did. But because he knew and they didn't, that was easy. Why wouldn't he just convince the kids to come along on the deal with him? Like, they, is there just no way they they would have because they wouldn't get power in the deal? Yeah, and money. that's a really, really good question. Because, like, this is the most Murdochy of all of the episodes this season. There were, There's Murdoch after Murdoch after Murdoch, like, little... Um, reference throughout this episode and of course what happens in the end of the murdoch saga is that murdoch sells to some other company and none of the kids really take over new um 21st century fox right it just becomes a division of disney there was talk for like a millisecond that james would run that division but that fell through very quickly and that's that's very Murdochian, right? There's talk for a millisecond, like Matson is like, I'll bring you in, you're crucial to this deal, to Roman, but then it falls through very quickly. And when Roman is in the car, he realizes that that's exactly what's going to happen. And and so the, and so then the question is, why why wouldn't the kids just happily go along with the deal in the way that the Murdoch kids did, right? And the conceit of the episode is that Siobhan has become so completely bought into the dream of taking over the company and Roman has become so completely bought into the dream of taking over the company that they will do anything to keep that dream alive rather than effectively they're all being offered the same deal that Kendall was offered right which is two billion dollars and fuck off and go make your own pile um, which is a very attractive offer. And that's exactly what I would happened take to, like, offer, just to, be clear. To, to James and, and to Lachlan, right? They both got $2 billion. They both get to go off, like James gets to go off and buy like Art Basel and the Tribeca Film Festival and whatever else he's investing in and like be his own media mogul. Lachlan gets like one of the toys that gets spin off, spun off, like News Corp. And, um, or, or Fox, I guess I should call it. And yeah, in a real world, I think you're right, Emily, that they they wouldn't be quite as upset about this and they wouldn't feel this to be such a betrayal because, like, seriously, kids, did you honestly believe that one of you was going to take over? Well, I mean, it's a TV show, right? They have to. <laughs> Otherwise, it's no longer a TV show. <laughs> but also, like, throughout the episode, they're saying, like, Waystar Royco is a declining asset. Like, the price is falling. They just paid a historic fine. Like, they're going down. Gojo's going up. Like, get off the sinking ship, kids. Like, this is another indication of why they should not, any of them, be in the C-suite. Like, these, they suck. They're not good at this. Like, time to go. And Matson is so fucking good at this. Like, Matson is the only one, like, compared to someone like Sandy, who everyone is very scared of and is like this paper tiger but never really bites, Matson is the one person that, um, that Logan encounters who's, like, possibly better at the game than Logan is. And Logan just sees him and goes, as I, by the way, did, Emily, did I call it? Yeah, Logan chose his successor and Lucas Matson. Yes, yes. yes. As I was listening right. to that, 
going down the aisle of food town grocery shopping. I was like, yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, can we just talk about Alexander Sarsgaard's physicality in that in that scene where he's like kind of like with his t-shirt and his pool slides, kind of like lounging in his Lake Como furniture in the most kind of I don't know, leonine, alpha male way, just sort of like, yeah, okay, tossing this stuff out. It's so, I mean, the guy's what, 6'5"? It's just, it's incredible physical acting. He he. There's there's a little bit of chamath in there, you know, with like the shirtless selfies. Like he's obviously been working out. Have you, did you look at, um, there's a, when they come off the boat, um, Matson's, you know, taking the lead and then Logan's right there with him and Roman's kind of like tripping up the stairs behind them like a little boy. Um, and then when they all sit down also, uh, Roman is kind of like down from them in a way that makes him look like a kid at the at the adult table or something. Um, and it's just so clear, like he he's not ready for any of this and he's got to go. So why didn't Roman understand what was happening? Because it was very clear in that conversation how this is being, and then he's just literally like, okay, Roman, you go back to the wedding. That Roman should have been running back like, woo, 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 we have a problem. Or did he just think like, oh, my dad's going to take care of me? Or did he not understand? I, I think it was a little bit of all of the above. And also, I think that Lucas and Logan between them did a pretty good job of planting the seed in Roman's mind that if this deal went ahead, with Gojo buying Waystar Royco, then Roman would be golden. He would be, like, in the middle of it all. He would be running something important. He would be crucial to the whole deal. And so, like, that was, like, he kind of felt that if it did happen, he would be the winner. Yeah, he had, he was delusions, I think. He was like, I'll keep this a secret, and then I'll, I'll, I'll win this one. He was still kind of, like, fighting the siblings. But then that scene with Kendall maybe changes his mind you, you could see i mean again amazing acting from kieran culkin in this one but in when they're in the the car and he's trying to work out how to argue against what his siblings are saying without revealing to them what he has been promised because like you know while kendall has had his moment of honesty you know roman can never be honest about anything i did love that um that classic line in in the scene in the plaza when Ken falls apart and goes, I'm blown into a million pieces. And then um, Shiv gets the call from Led and Roman says, take that call. Leave me here with all the feelings. Thank you. <laughs> that and the, it took me three quarters of an hour to get a gin and tonic. It's like, <laughs> Who's the real victim? Who's here? the real victim here? <laughs> Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hello, I'm Imi Harper. On the slow newscast from Tortoise, I tell the story of how a Hong Kong billionaire was silenced. 
I got bombs thrown into my house. I got people came here, ransacked my computer. And I, I got people threatening me. I got this and that, but I'm safe. And what it reveals about the freedoms Hong Kong no longer enjoys. Listen to Hong Kong's Rebel Billionaire on the Slow Newscast, wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, we obviously we need to talk about Jeremy Strong. Yeah, get into We need it. to talk about Jeremy Strong because the um Michael Shulman New Yorker profile came out after we recorded the uh last episode. Oh boy. Um and then Michael Shulman came out on Twitter last night and added a whole little extra bit about how that scene in the in the courtyard like was a great ca- Jeremy strong cathartic moment because he decided he could act it better if he was sitting on the ground than if he was sitting on a something else and so that was what made the whole thing and he had a breakthrough so like you know i mean people seem to agree that jeremy's wrong is a good actor I don't, i'm not going to disagree it's with that one incredible portrayal of an addict incredible can we, just, can we just take a step back and just Fill listeners in in case they're not okay. in the minute by minute of the Because Aaron Sorkin doesn't have social media, so we're going to post this. <laughs> on his behalf. <laughs> he asks us to tell this on his behalf. Um, <laughs> Michael Shulman publishes, The New Yorker publishes his profile of, of Jeremy Strong. And um, it's this really, it's a great classic look at the actor and his method. And it goes really deep and kind of makes him look like a like an asshole, Dick? maybe? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it does. He gets really into his roles. He asked Aaron Sorkin if he, could, if he could get sprayed with tear gas. Real tear gas. Real tear gas in, in a movie. Um, and, and there's some, like, quotes that are questionable that make you think everyone kind of hates him. But, I mean, it's a fine profile. And then the, the reaction to it is just outsized i would say celebrities need a hobby is basically my takeaway from the whole thing of like calm down it's a magazine profile did it make (laughs) your friend look amazing no did it make him look like the worst person in the world no no chill out aaron sorkin it was a good profile it made him look like a very serious it was a great profile but i think i I think and helen peterson i can't remember who it was made this point that it's a reported profile in a way that like celebrity profiles are never reported this way. And Michael Shulman really took this like an, as an investigative reporting job and was like, went back and started interviewing a whole bunch of people who like hated Jeremy Strong when he was at Yale and that kind of thing and yeah. found all of these anecdotes. And we found, and, and he also got some very damning quotes out of, Brian Cox and Kieran Culkin about what it's like to work with him, which is apparently not fun. And, and that then created a whole uh, sort of week of people saying like, is he dead? Would Brian Cox and Kieran Culkin have been that rude about their co-star if they knew that they have to film season four with him? It was like brilliant marketing. It was the the most brilliant marketing for an HBO show until just yesterday when <laughs> released until an Mr. Ad. Big comes anyway, out. we don't need to go into that, but it was good. It was a good build up for this episode in which Jeremy Strong acts the hell out of the role and yeah. kind of there's nothing you can say. He did a great job. I, I I would say two things. Number one, when you guys are both journalists, you understand that, right? Like Michael Shulman gets these amazing quotes that probably in the interview process, Brian Cox, 
and Kieran Culkin say these things, which are undeniably true, right? There's there's all this evidence on one side of the ledger that Jeremy Strong is a certain way. And yet, when you are the person being interviewed, this is not saying that they're like gotcha questions or anything. It's just like you you sometimes don't realize that your stuff is going to be added to a pile of other stuff. And so when it's added to a pile of other stuff, suddenly there's a log cabin of other stuff and that forms a reader's impression. But the other thing is it's like, yeah, he's an actor. Actors are weird and emotional and difficult and they all have their own processes. And maybe it's because I'm married to a director who is very mad, by the way, that I am on the show without him right now. Uh, but somebody has to do childcare drop-off. And actors are weird. I love all my husband's actors, but seriously, they're weird. Yeah. And again, he just, I feel like this episode was the perfect comeback to anyone totally. who read that profile and was like, what a jerk. It's like, well, you know what? He gets it done. It works he sits for him. on the ground. Yeah. It was his seventh take. And he realized he had to sit on the ground and get dirty. And honestly, I was interested in the dirt part. It was I was like, oh, his pants are so dirty. Yeah. No one ever gets dirty the, on this The show. continuity was on? a bit weak. Like by the time he gets out to walk to confront his dad, his pants are magically clean. Because when you're a billionaire, your pants magically clean themselves <laughs> in the back of the van. They probably for him in the car. <laughs> but, um, but, the, um, but the other thing is that it was just beautifully shot. That scene, that still from that scene, just like ricocheted around Twitter. Um, Mark Mylod has to get like at least as much credit as Jeremy Strong for that scene. It was perfectly paced. The cutting was amazing. The editing was amazing. Um, and yeah, they found like the, the perfect location for a nervous breakdown. But hey, he bounced back within like 20 minutes, right? And next thing you know, he's on the phone talking about super majority clauses. Well, the power of the psyche to repress bad feelings is very strong. Like I said, I just read the book about psychology. So that's how I know so, this stuff. Feels. So then, Emily, what what do you do with Shiv's last moments? Talk about the power to repress bad feelings. Like you can see on her face her realization that she's been betrayed. And then she's just like, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I think kind of going back to what Felix said, she will take in that information and hold it until useful to deploy. Like she'll be kind of like have a half a, a gimlet eye on on her husband and see how it all plays out because maybe she can use it as leverage like like he was saying to sort of get back in her father's good graces. Yeah, well, yeah the, she is she is now going to have she is now going to have a mole inside the Logan camp, right? In the form of her husband. I guess. I mean, is he a mole? I don't know. Is he not going to tell her what's going on? I mean, maybe the one of the interesting things about this season is that for the first time he has displayed a certain amount of jealousy of Shiv's position. And he's like, why are you more important than I am? And Shiv is just like, fuck off. Maybe we've seen that in the past. But, like, now, yeah, he has finally achieved his dream of being, like, more important to Logan than Siobhan, of being, like, more central to the company than Siobhan. And Shiv is going to, you know, wind up going back into politics or whatever the hell she does. But she is going to have that, um, you know, she is going to have Tom in there in the way that um, Kendall and Roman are not. 
And he must be successful in the company because, I mean, right. Forbes doesn't just, just profile having- any executive. <laughs> They're doing a big Yeah, his ATN show is doing great. He turned on yeah. the biggest bigot and now he's getting all of the money and the sponsorships. Yeah, so he's actually competent maybe? We've know. seen Poss- him be possibly? a little more competent, it seems. this se- Like, he's he maybe? seemed sort of pathetic in past seasons, but now maybe, I don't know. We still don't really know how he met Shiv, what he was doing, but... The only thing we know, what is it? He said he had a dick like a giant redwood and he fucks like a freight train. Can I say that? Yeah. <laughs> this is this is a succession show. If you, can't, if you can't swear, then you can't have a show. I may have so. gotten the line slightly wrong, but I think I got the gist. We have a warning at the top, so it's fine. Okay. I'll edit those <laughs> once you do the warning. <laughs> yeah, the disclaimers solve everything. Didn't you know that? <laughs> Um, I do need to just mention, like, when we're, well, we're still vaguely on the subject of that um, Jeremy Strong no, nervous breakdown scene. Um, number one, like, the masterful way in which Roman solves the issue through humor in a way that, like, actually works quite well. And the gin and tonic joke is, like, a terrible joke, but it also actually has its intended effect. Um but the other one, since we do love to talk about real-world parallels here, is um, Thor Batista. When when Roman goes, um, what like basically, like who among us hasn't clipped a kid with their Porsche, you know? And he goes over to to um, to Shiv. He's like, "You killed a kid, right?" And she's like, "Yeah." Um, that that is a re- that is a reference to Thor Batista, who was the. I think he was like 20 or 19, something like that, the son of Ike Batista, the richest man in Brazil. And he clips a kid um, on a bicycle in his like $450,000 hypercar and kills him. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. So, they so pay, glad Did they pay Felix off the, the family? Pod. And they paid off the family yeah. and there was never any prosecution. Yeah. Wow. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. I've been wondering for like two seasons now if if Kendall would ha- face re- repercussions for what he did, and like they kept hinting he would, and like is this where it went? He just ha- he just tells his brother and sister, and they make jokes about it, and he's absolved. Yeah, I think I think really it is because when Logan does the cover up, that's his way of saying like I own you now, and I have this over you. And you can't tell anyone. And and this is like this incredible leverage that Logan has over Kendall. He brings it up again over dinner in this season. Um, and Kendall, and it, it really has broken Kendall. And it's like the I killed a kid thing is the thing that really forces him to totally break down. Um, and then it's Roman who comes out and says, like, may it please the court, but like, you didn't actually kill him. And in fact, you tried to save him. And I would have been out there, out of there. What is it like a tabby cat out of a bathtub? <laughs> <laughs> and like, you know, it's, he's kind of not wrong. Like, I don't think a jury would convict. He should not, have left not the for the, he not for the, the crime, scene. but they would for the cover up, right? Yeah. Like that's, yes. it's the Chappaquiddick of it all. But he's like, but in, in his own mind up until that point, Kendall is a murderer. And then I think Roman really quite effectively in the space of like three lines manages to persuade him that maybe he's not. 
I mean, I think it's also just the unburdening of it, right? Like his father no longer has this secret. So that the 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 weight of carrying that is gone. I, I think that's that's almost equal to what Roman says, I would argue. Mm-hmm. It's also interesting every season finale of this show features a a nice bonding scene between the three of them season one it was right before the night before Shiv got married they all went and like smoked a joint together in the boathouse yeah Mm -hmm. and then season two they were on the yacht talking and Roman says should we talk about our feelings and they just make fun of him and then season three (laughs) they actually do talk about feelings and Roman's the one who's making fun Um, but each is like this nice bonding scene Which makes it's you like. And meanwhile, Naomi, who's been so supportive, is nowhere to be seen. She's just completely disappeared. Mm-hmm. There was some cut scene that they referenced in that New Yorker piece that she was in, where she says something about she has some line about how their relationship's gone south. It's in the New Yorker piece. Go read it. You could go read it right now if you want to. Is it amazing to me that that like we are talking about this whole? episode and i guess it's a a real testament to succession that they dispatched with the like is kendall dead so quickly at the the pre-credit sequence in the (laughs) pre-credit sequence so quickly that as we were like fumbling to get our hbo max to work and i was screaming at john because like the tv wasn't working so i was like (laughs) and we had to like rewind and watch it i was like oh that's it that's okay sure he's fine um, talking, I mean, you know, in terms of good lines, that that's a great one, which um, was easy to miss, was um, Comfrey's line just before uh, Kendall shows up. They're like, how's things? And she goes, oh, th- no media pickup, so it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> she looked genuinely As long as the media didn't that. work out that he tried to kill himself, it's basically fine. It's mostly us calling Vanity Fair. Because that <laughs> would ruin her vacation. Right? I mean, from her perspective, if that got yeah. out, she'd be on the phone all day what? putting out yeah, the one, why one all these people are at can the wedding. ruin right? your entire week, I'm telling you. It's just like, <laughs> why is Jerry at Caroline's wedding? Unclear. Greg, Unclear. nobody knows. Well, there, there, was, there was an attempt to explain that um, in the previous episode where it's basically Peter Munyon just wants all of the important people at his wedding because that's who he is. He's a social climber. And, and there was also that. So Greg is to, there. That he's family. Well, Greg's kind of family-ish, sort of. I don't know. He has come from Buffalo, Bright Star (laughs) Buffalo, where he is a rising star. (laughs) But you have to have Greg in. Well, I'm sure Tom brought Greg in. You know, Tom. Tom's like, well, we have to invite Greg. And Caroline is like, invite who you like. This isn't for me. This is for you know Peter. And then ultimately, Caroline sells out her kids for the sake of her here today gone tomorrow husband which is which is very caroline but she does have this line um at the very end when she's on speakerphone and she she's addressing the kids and she's trying to explain why she did what she did and what she says is i'm not sure it's been good for you all the you know, which is about as um, articulate as she can get. But she's right. Like, she negotiated this supermajority clause and gave her control and blah, blah, blah. And this is all very Murdochy, and, like, the Murdoch kids had it too, uh, you know, out of divorce. Um, 
But she's right. Like it, in fact, turned out to be terrible for them. And if it hadn't existed, they would have all been better off. And if she's going to tear it up now, yeah, that is good for them. That's the thing about this whole episode that I was on Logan's side. I was like, absolutely do this deal. Absolutely do not leave this company to these three morons. I think Logan does call them morons. And I was like, you know what? They are morons. Like, they each had their shot. They all messed it up. Like, they're morons. Do not sell your, do not leave your company in the hands of these people. Um, I feel like as far as business decisions go, this was a good one. Like, the kids were just wrong. If you guys had to pick well. one kid, like, who do you think is the smart? I-, I know who I think is the smartest, but also just, like, I think Kendall's the smartest, but is just, like, such an abjectly ridiculous human being that that he can't can, can, Well, can, can, like, being smart isn't enough. You also no. need executive slash leadership abilities, executive and Kendall obviously has none of those. Right. Um, there was this very brief... Um, aside a few episodes ago where um siobhan and roman are charged with basically putting together the deal sheet for matson who ultimately fails to come into the office to be sold on this deal and which in hindsight of course was a great move by matson um and shiv basically says well we know this deal makes sense and roman says well, if we knew that, I wouldn't have stayed up all night, you know, getting my minions to put together this PowerPoint. Like, Roman has actually been working, yes. right? He has been involved. He has been doing an actual job. He has been staying up all night, putting deal sheets together with minions. Like, he has he has built, an, built up enough of a relationship with Jerry that he can look at her and she can be like, look, there's nothing I can do. Like, I have to represent the shareholders here, which is entirely true. Um, he has no no cards to play when she's like, how would siding with you be, like, you know, in my interest? Um, but it's not just that weird, like, fucked up sex thing that they have. It's also that she does on some level... Um, think that he has some kind of abilities uh, so i would say i would say i would say probably roman hmm, interesting i disagree but go on well i i think roman's done some of the work but i don't think he has the like ineffable thing i don't think oh Ken- of course he of course he doesn't have the ineffable thing none of them have the ineffable no thing. i think kendall's got like a little spark of it but it's so weighed down by everything else like it's like the the little moment of him that you see in the car that's the thing that fools you into thinking that he's got the spark and then everything else swallows that and shiv is a fake she's a fake she's like she she is going through the motions she does understand their father, I think, maybe better than the other two do. I don't know. Maybe not. No, maybe she doesn't. I don't know what I'm talking about. I, I'm, I, okay, so I listened to the Kara Swisher official podcast, not going to lie. Um, and wow. Anthony Scaramucci was on it, which... Wow. Oh, come on. I know. Wow. You did I that? I you guys. I'm sorry. I was running, jogging, walking. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Anyway, Anthony Scaramucci was on the podcast. We know him because he served in the Trump administration for like six days or six hours or something. And he's leveraged that ever. He's been eating out on that ever since. And he runs a fake hedge fund or something. 
he got matter. he got he got very he he's tried to get me fired at least three and possibly four times. So I like that's something. <laughs> yeah. So he was on her podcast, and the reason I'm bringing all this up is to say like he started talking about how Shiv is his least favorite character on the show, and she's the worst of the Roy children. And I feel like people's reactions to her are super kind of sexist. And the whole show is kind of set up that way too. Like she's, she's like power hungry and like condemned for being power hungry on a show that's all about being power hungry. Like I don't understand that really. Like, yeah, L- Logan's Logan's reaction to her is super sexist for sure. Like when when Roman's like, "Can I come along to the meeting with Matt?" and he's like, "Fuck off and stick around with your dick pics." And then Shiv like seizes her opportunity. She's like, "Well, if he doesn't come, can I come?" And Logan's like, all right, Roman. (laughs) I think she's just more transparent in some ways. Like, she just says out loud the things that the others don't or can't. Yeah, maybe. But you're right. It is super sexist. I mean, maybe maybe it's my internalized sexism. I don't, I'm not, I don't know. But I just, I wonder, I do wonder about that. Like, people seem to hate her more than the others, but she's, they're all kind of equally I, I I definitely do not hate her more. I kind of like her more than the others. I think uh, definitely of the three of them, she's the one I like the most or dislike the least. Um, I think her ability to, you know, do that deal with Sandy and Stewie was like, it showed actual sort of psychological intelligence. You managed to get Sandy Jr. to come around. Um, like she's, she's not, and 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 you know her ability to to persuade um, Ravenhead to turn on the raisin, you know, like she's she's got actual abilities. She's not like it, it was always for the first couple of seasons. It was always Roman who was the useless one, and she's just undone by her father. Like she can't. Yeah. She. she she can't function the, around. The her. closer she gets to Logan, yeah. the, the more kind of undone she becomes, for sure. I think I think I just have a little bit of personal resentment because on my honeymoon, I posted what I thought was a really kind of funny over-the-top picture of myself on, in a hot tub enjoying a, a glass of champagne and Felix commented shiv underneath it. <gasps> You've never forgiven me. Never. I've never forgiven you for that. (laughs) (laughs) But it's just because I have strawberry blonde hair. Leave me alone. (laughs) 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 Uh, You know what? Sorry, not sorry. Favorite lines? Lizzie, you, you, you have a very short, short list. I have a very short, short list. What is it? I want to be... Oh, go. Oh, no. Come. Pass. Pass. I need to come back to it. I need to find where it's written down. I want to be my... Oh, my own Greg. I want to be my own Greg. I like that. That's good. Didn't Tom say to Greg, you could have your own Greg? Oh, right. Yeah, you can have 20 <laughs> of them. You can have 20 of your own Gregs. Yeah, that was good. I kind of, I kind of like Logan saying, would you mind... Because would you mind not with him in here giving me the doggy evils? <laughs> Can you take him out, Romulus? Like I, I that was that was a good line. The doggy evils, and then literally just like 
take him out, he meant out of the room, but also just take him out. Just fucking take him out, Romulus. He didn't, though. He didn't take him out. He didn't. Probably regret He had, he, like, Roman had, like, a, maybe, I don't know, eight millimeters of backbone and spine, which is more than he's shown in the rest of the show. Yeah. Okay, my favorite line, I had to listen to it, like, three times to get this all down. But here we go. Say hello to someone who could be Logan's ex-wife's step-cousin-in-law and heir apparent to the Grand Duchy of Luxembourg, 12 times removed or some shit, a potential count of somewhere and legitimate claimant to the dormant throne of Italy. <laughs> well done. Greg! Well, well you don't done, need to Greg. be your own Greg when, when you've got that. He's about to be royalty, so there you go. I'm, none of us even talked about I'm the eldest son. <gasps> oh my Aww. God, Con! We yeah, Connor. poor Con. <laughs> well, that's I mean, his problem, is the, isn't it? The the Con sub. I mean, what, I mean, also some amazing acting from Alan Ruck on this one. Who normally is just a caricature, but like when he starts like carving up the table with his knife and then just explodes. I mean, it is pretty rude of Kendall to say he's the oldest when he's not. When Connor's right there. I really It's a little bit of it's, it's a fine. little bit of foreshadowing, right? You know how you know like the the breakdown of Kendall finally gives him the ability to come together with his siblings. Like that complete breakdown that Connor has with his siblings at that table finally gives him the sort of vulnerability to turn to Willa and say like, you know, my siblings hate me, you hate me. Like there's some Swede is going to take over ATN and ban me and like my life is miserable and become just such a pathetic little hangdog that Willis just oh fuck it. <laughs> like that's she the actual way to propose. That sorry for him. <laughs> the pity, the pity marriage proposal acceptance from Willa. <laughs> <laughs> the, the 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 mercy affiancement. How bad could it be? Fuck it. How bad could it be? Oh. Bad. I mean, that, that's exactly what you want to hear from someone you've just proposed married to, right? Proposed married yeah. to. Oh, fuck it. How bad yeah, could it be? It. <laughs> he deserves whatever happens next, right? I mean. Um, so what's going to happen next, guys? Like, I mean, I do think this was the perfect end to succession. We have found out, you know, that none of them are going to succeed. It's we, we have completely resolved the question that was raised in the season one episode one and we have neatly tied everything up in a bow and you know why are they even making a season four they could walk away now and it would be a very effective mic drop i don't i mean they're not going to but yeah it's a good it's a good way to end the season and it's a good way to end the show yeah there's unfortunate speculation i'm seeing chatter people are saying felix that shiv is pregnant (laughs) And so if they show up in season four and a baby is is in the plot, you, we can't watch. It's over. Maybe that's no. why we were getting all that maca root, blah, 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 blah. Maybe it wasn't about Carrie at all. Oh. It's Chekhov's maca root. <laughs> it's so weird, like, who was in the show. Like, you know, there was that whole weird subplot about Logan wanting to have more babies via Carrie. And then... There was a very brief scene between Marsha and Kerry where Marsha seems to be very nice to Kerry. And you're like, Marsha would was is so 
mean to everyone who's fucking her husband that like what is going does she not know she's far too smart to not know right i got the sense that she was just sort of treating her like an underling and that that was actually more insulting than anything else like she doesn't care anymore she got her deal she leveled up whatever her contract is and doesn't matter yeah I have to, I have been disappointed. Like season two was a disappointment to me because Marsha was pretty much MIA. Season three was a disappointment to me because Marsha was pretty much MIA. I'm just not getting my Marsha fix, man. I need more Marsha. And only one weird Adrian Brody episode. Yeah, that's... Yeah, he came yeah. and then he disappeared. But the one thing we can be pretty sure of is we're going to get more Alexander Sarsgaard in yes. season four. Yay! Yes! <laughs> yes. With his very well-fitting T-shirt. I mean, the way, like, just the way that the T-shirts hang between Alexander Sarsgaard and Jeremy Strong, you know, it's everything you need to know. I'm okay with it. They're probably very expensive <laughs> Don't t-shirts. listen, John. I, I can guarantee you that they're extremely expensive T-shirts. Like the $600 Loro Piano baseball cap? Yeah. So I think that is actually it. For Slate Money Succession, we are not going to be back for however long, a year? It's going to be a while, and who knows what season four is going to bring. But listen, guys, thank you so much for sticking with us. It's been awesome recapping all of these episodes. And and thank you to Shana Roth for managing to turn this episode around in just absolute record time because we did not get a screener for this one. And mostly, Lizzie, thanks for coming on. I'm so excited to be on the finale. You're in the finale. I need to double cross you very quickly right now. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. The next thing you know, I'm going to get some kind of comment on my Instagram. I have an announcement about the host of the next season of this show. (gasps) Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Lizzie, are you taking over? Yeah. Have you just knifed me? Yeah. Wow. Damn, that was oh, mean. Oh, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna get you back somehow in an Instagram comment or some some somewhere else. <laughs> See you on Lackey Slack. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.